welcome. Thanks for joining us. It's June the 4th, first week of June in the books. I guess if we were to title this one, it'd be the one about inflation. One of us has been watching the Friends reunion, and they always had the title, the one about. So this is the one about inflation, kind of by serendipitous. A lot of things happened this week that came together for a nice theme about inflation. You know, Brent and I have been talking, evidence of inflation is about everywhere that you could think. I guess if you're looking for a story about inflation, it's easy to find. But the latest data, I want to talk about that. The Bureau of Economic Analysis came out and they estimated inflation in April at uh, almost 3.6%. So that closed a question we had in the forecast network. My score was pretty abysmal. We got in the 25th percentile. The consensus average was above 60% for most of the question live, got as high as 80%. We wrote a deeper dive, so you can read more about that. There's a lot of people out there who had some pretty strong forecasts. Not many had a below 50% probability of this happening, but we thought 3% was a notable level because if you look at the data and the PCE is what the Fed is using and what they're watching, you know, we haven't seen inflation measured on at a monthly basis exceeding 3% only once since 2010. So this was a, a pretty big number, but nowhere near what we might've expected. It's a level we saw several times in the 2000s, and we even saw it considerably higher numbers in the 90s. And so it's a high number for the last decade. Hitting right up on the high watermarks that we've seen for a long time and not surprising given what's going on. I think everywhere as individuals, we look, we see evidence of inflation. It's just really interesting how rapidly it's been rising, but then that leads to that great debate is, is it truly transitory or not? Is it going to abate over time? But 3% is a level well above the Fed's 2% target, but they, they've also basically said, you know, we want to see inflation above 2% for a while before we're going to get worried. And so um, I think that's kind of consistent with what they're still saying. We also wrote a what we're thinking about memo. I spent a lot of time working on this, and I want to encourage folks to read it and share it. But Brent, what was one of the big takeaways that you want to make sure you captured today? The inflation memo, I think, first of all, I encourage everybody to read it because what we're trying to do is get people to kind of clarify what they're thinking because we're hearing... We'll hear people talk about, well, we're going to have hyperinflation. Well, that seems really unlikely to us anyway, based on what hyperinflation actually is. And we kind of talk about that. We also give you a couple links to some posts that discuss why the Fed uses PC versus CPI. But at the end of the day, I think the big takeaway is ask yourself three questions. How soon we have inflation, how high might it go, and for how long might it last? And those are, the, I think, the three big debates that really should be taking place right now. Is the how soon, well, maybe, maybe it's happening. We're starting to see it. But the how high, I think, is a really important question. Are we talking about 3.8 to 5%, or are you talking about something more than that? And then how long might that last is, is the other thing. And I think our takeaway, David, was that maybe people right now, if you just ask a random person on the street, might be a way more concerned about really high inflation. Whereas I think we're a little more concerned about what the impacts might be if we have a prolonged period of inflation from you know three to five percent. That's about double what we've seen for a long period of time. And I, th I think that would have profound impacts on the economy. And so I think it's really important to think about inflation, what you mean by it, where it might be going. 
We also wrote this week an Ideas That Make Us Better article, and it's about compound growth, what it is, and, and what some of the limits are. There's a really important takeaway from that, and it ties into this inflation conversation. When people think about inflation, they go back to 1970, and there were two years in 1970 where the PCE measure of inflation got above 10%. And I think that's what people really worry about. But one of the main takeaways from the memo that we hope you all get from this is that it really wasn't just the peaks. The peaks were a problem, but the real problem about inflation in the 70s and early 80s was we had a decade of inflation that was more than 6%. So from 1970 to 79, the average rate of inflation was 6.4%, which means prices were doubled in about a decade, about 11 years. All prices in the economy doubled. So we put a lot of emphasis on the peaks of more than 10%. My opinion, the most of the damage came from the entire decade. And we had this persistent. So in the 70s, we had inflation at 6.5%. In the 80s, it was 5%. And then in the 90s and the 2000s, it was the low twos. And then the, the most recent decade, 2010 to 2019, it was 1.6%. And now the Fed's saying they want to see 2% sustained. And so we're looking at this. And I think the Fed's going to really work hard to make sure we don't slip below 2% again. And they're going to try to, to work on that. And so what we're thinking about is what does maybe 3% look like or 4% sustained over a decade? Much higher than anything we've seen, but also not one of those things that people ring the alarm for. It's not double-digit inflation. Everyone wants to focus on double-digit inflation. But I think, and I think, Brent, you share this, is that three or four, maybe 5% inflation for a decade will start to have a very different impact. So how significant, how much, and for how long? And it's the how long question that we often overlook, especially when it starts to compound. That's pretty telling. You know, so the, the numbers you gave in the 70s and 80s ran 5 and 6% a little bit more than double what we've seen since then. You have to wonder a little bit whether we're back on par, certainly to exceed maybe the 2% that we've seen. And, and the Fed basically said that. We want to see it moderately exceed, which what that means is going to be debated because we're now starting to see that you know those things creep up. Then just that other question of how much of this is transitory or not, and some of it's probably transitory. For instance, if you've traveled anywhere and wanted to rent a car, David, you had that experience. Hard to get them and they're expensive, partly because their fleets have been shrunk. And so, but you have to think that that can be resolved. That's a supply shortage and it should resolve itself. But we're certainly set up for some short-term spikes in inflation though, because of that, you know, all the supply shortages plus pent up demand and people wanting to go out and spend money. We'll just have to wait and see. At the end of the day, it depends on what consumers think. That's the other thing you want to watch is what is the Fed saying about inflation expectations? And they keep saying that the, you know, the long-run expectations are anchored. Investors aren't thinking about double or even high single-digit inflation. They're still expecting things to kind of go back to our most recent experience. A little bit on the travel stuff. You know, I, I was on a flight this week and the planes were full. Airfare was kind of surprisingly high, a little higher than I thought. There's no airfare bargains to be had. But when the plane landed, happened to land in Kansas City, there were dozens, maybe a hundred airplanes that had been mothballed off to the edge. So you have to wonder like, okay, there's a little bit of this supply adjustment. We cut supply back of rental cars 
and airplanes. And, and at some point, we're going to get that resolved. So all of a sudden, airlines might start competing to get low fares to get people to fly them versus you know another carrier. Right now, they're just trying to get people to fly in general. And the planes have filled up. So it's a very interesting challenge. And of course, really watch those long-term expectations. And, and you know, I think we're a long ways away from runaway inflation. The Fed hasn't even attempted to tap the brakes yet. And so that's the other thing. If you're really concerned about runaway inflation, we have to watch what happens once the Fed starts to raise interest rates or, or cut back a little bit. And so there's a lot of adjustment here that is going to potentially play out. And in the ag space, lots of potential for inflation too, because clearly farmers are set to have as good a year as we've had for a long period of time. And then you're running into some of those supply shortages on the on the ag space. So you're starting to see prices really take off. And I think there is some expectation my producers at prices are going to continue to rise, at least on the input side. So it's starting to feel pretty inflationary there. Land values are way up and likely to continue to be so. Rent's probably going way up. And the goal here, of course, is to always be learning. And so we hope the stuff that we've written about, especially explaining what PCE is and why it's important, is going to help you think about your expectations and framing those up. There's one quote that I'll share to wrap this up and, and bring, feel free to jump in if you have anything else to share. But at the end of our ideas that make us better this week about exponential growth, of course, we talked about exponential growth can be really powerful. There's a lot of examples. You start with a penny and your money doubles every day. How much will you have at the end of the month? It's a, it's a lot of money. If you fold a piece of paper in half 50 times, how thick will that paper be? I think it's millions of miles thick. It's unbelievable how fast it accumulates. But we want to shine some light on the limits of exponential growth. And this great quote is, anyone who believes that exponential growth will go on forever in a finite world is either a madman or an economist. And so uh, that, that hits a little close to home. And so we always have to remember the limits of exponential growth. And I think, I guess one of the takeaways here that I've been thinking a little bit about is, okay, if prices in the U.S. are going up, we're going to get a lot of microchips from other countries. We're going to get a lot of stuff headed this way that'll help fill the supply shortages. And so we got to keep that in mind. Also the limits of exponential growth, but also here with the inflation conversation, they're going to have some macroeconomic implications that could start to actually solve the problem itself. Tends to solve their own problem. I mean, we always say the cure for high prices is high prices, right? Thank you all for joining us this week. Send us your questions, comments, or feedback, and we'll keep writing. Stay curious. 